I just felt like I was drowning in this life I had created. I was overworked. I was obsessed with doing and taking things off my to-do list. I was obsessed with success and more and that insatiable need to do and to get and to be. Welcome to Parenthood, where each week we explore the lives of Aussie mums and dads and what's really going on behind closed doors. I'm your host, Leonia Kidanor, mum of two, business owner and relationship coach. Let's begin. Welcome to the show. Zoe, welcome to the podcast. It's so great to have you on with us today. My goodness, what a treat. What a treat. Thank you. (laughs) I was saying to you earlier, I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel like I know you weirdly from all the amazing work that you're doing out there. So thank you for bringing the goods for all of us to watch, listen to, etc. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Thank you. It's actually just so nice to connect. I love being interviewed. It feels like I can just like sit back (laughs) and like cruise control. So I'm like, I'm so ready. Yes, love that. So for those listening, Zoe Marshall is the creator of the international award-winning podcast, The Deep, a media personality, the better half of uh, former NRL player, Benji Marshall and uh, The Deep, which is the podcast, that's where I found you actually initially, Zoe. It explores taboo topics and encourages authentic conversations. And, you know, Zoe asked the question, who are you when no one's watching? Mm-hmm. I love that. And I don't think you realise, Zoe, but your podcast had such an impression on me. I was actually listening to it prior to starting this pod and I just love that you go there. Like you don't fluff around. We're not talking surface level. You are in there asking the uncomfortable questions and having those conversations that you don't have like ordinarily over a dinner table, you know? Um, And when I was actually starting my podcast, I was like, okay, so how am I going to position this? I want to be a little bit different. I love the parenthood journey, but I'm also quite a deep person too. And I literally had your logo on my strategy paper. I was like, we're going to be a little bit like the deep and then we're going to be a little bit like Esther Perel's Where Should We Begin? And we're going to be a little, you know, and I literally had the the podcast that I admired so oh. greatly and I thought I'm going to get a flavour from each of these. And so therefore this podcast, what we do is we explore the challenges that we experience as parents, both mums and dads, and we really lean into as much as possible those topics that are uncomfortable too. So mm. I guess first and foremost, thank you for giving us permission <laughs> to talk about this stuff. My gosh, that is like you never really think when you you create something that someone would have you in their strategy to, you know, take a little flavor or emulate. Like that's such a honor that I'm so humbled by that, that that has somehow left a mark on you. So greatly appreciated. And then moving on to the next part, which is parenthood and parenting is so incredibly confronting and so brutal and so shocking in different ways, as much as it's beautiful. And we always kind of do that caveat at the back, right? But I love it. And it's so important and it is, but I think that we do need a space and we need a podcast that shares how fucking tough it is, you know, and and, then what shifts for us in our identity and our purpose and those things. So I think the work you're doing is really important. 
Oh, thank you. Yeah. And look, I, it was bred out of, I guess, pure um, anxiety, frustration, overwhelm. Um, I actually started the pod when my second was six weeks old. Ooh. I was in the depth of postnatal depression. I'd just come off the back of prenatal depression. I was, it was COVID. I was in Melbourne. We were locked up. <laughs> You're like, perfect time. Let's start a podcast while I'm like completely like, depleted. <laughs> But it's amazing from like great struggle. And I know you can resonate this with this from great struggle comes great strength at the end of that. Right. So mm. I started, I wanted to explore what was going on behind closed doors with parents, full stop, mums, dads. And so eventually this has now turned into over a hundred episodes. Um, you know, we've now got callers calling in anonymously wow. to give us their juiciest confessions about what is keeping them up at night. So mm. we've had dads call in, a dad call in saying, I haven't had sex with my wife in five years. Ever since we had the children, what the hell do I do? Or a mum calling in saying, my husband keeps undermining my parenting. I'm over it. Or, you know, another dad called in saying, look, it's been 10 years. I've been in this relationship ever since the kids came. It hasn't been the same. How do I know when I'm ready to leave? You know, these are conversations. These are big conversations, right? And Mm. that's where we're, we're sitting, I guess, in the podcast spectrum. Yeah. Thank you for explaining that. I think it is so valuable for people to have an outlet to connect and to be heard and seen when they are really in this place that should be, and by society's terms, is the thing that we should all do and commit to and stay with and no matter what, uh, have an outlet like you to be able to express like the truth, you know, and also Mm -hmm. find support in that, find their people. Like that's a incredible service to the community. Mm, yeah, thank you. I want to actually start with a little bit of an exact sum version of uh, your life to date. Now, I did, and this is for the benefit of our audience, I did listen to your amazing podcast interview with Mark Boris recently oh, on yeah. Straight Talk. And oh my gosh, girlfriend, that honestly, I will... To everyone listening, I'm going to link that, that, that show link into our show notes because it is such a good episode and conversation. Um, mm. I'm, I'm sure you probably left Zoe going like, wow, yeah. that was powerful. Yeah. Look, I, Mark is incredible. I hadn't met him. Mm. I wasn't sure if he would be okay with what I was going to bring. Um, I lead that conversation with, can we be uncomfortable together? Like, is that okay for you? Mm. And it, he was incredibly willing to hold space for me. He, mm. I left there being like, I'll never fucking listen to that. Like that was so raw and so confronting. Yeah. And I overshared and I said to my assistant, please write back and say, we can't actually share ABCD. I'll like get sued. Mm. Um, but apart from that, mm. what you do get to hear is me, which you don't get to hear on my podcast, the deep, the deep isn't about me. And I love that. I love that I'm facilitating important conversations and, and giving voices to those that don't have one. Whereas the Mark conversation was all about my dirty laundry was all about how I have arrived at the place I'm at. It was incredibly messy and it was very shadowed and very uncomfortable. So um, I think it's nice. It's also a different demographic of people that have found me. Like thousands of people have started following me after finding me through him. And I think that's the, the privilege of 
tapping into someone's network is you get business owners and entrepreneurs listening to you and going, oh, I have never knew who that girl was, but she's got something to say and I want to now be a part of that. So, yeah, that was a big one and and mm. I was very willing to go there with him and I'm willing to go there with you today. Same, same. Yeah, I love that. And for the benefit of those listening, I'm going to do an exec sum and please tell me if I've misinterpreted anything, Zoe, sure. because this is your life. <laughs> but, sure. uh, but essentially uh, what I what I heard was you had a very strong bond with your mum. You, your parents had split at the time. You were living with your mum. You had a very, very strong bond. Uh, and then she passed away when you were in your 20s. And yeah. from that, I guess you would call it, there was sort of the destructive years where it was just sort of coping, right? Feeling mm-hmm. numb you know, feeling, trying to heal, but just it was a little bit of a a mess at the time. And then you end up in this relationship with a guy where it was very traumatic, full stop, right? Like from a physical, emotional, sexual perspective, very traumatic. You eventually come out of that relationship. I guess you somewhat escaped that relationship and looked to rebuild yourself and and then actually find work again as well because you Mm -hmm. mentioned that you hadn't even had a job whilst being with this person. So um, you start working in media and then in podcasting and really start rebuilding yourself from an emotional, professional, every aspect perspective. Um, You meet the beautiful Benji, you have two beautiful children, Eva and Fox, and now essentially you've built a life that you could only ever have dreamed of, right? Uh, mm-hmm. One thing I love that you said, I literally got chills when you said it. You said, I oh, know I walk around my newly renovated dream home and I go, I can't fucking believe this is my life. Like, yeah. you know, and that to me just shows how humble and where you were and where you got to. Like, do you, I mean, talk to us about that feeling. Yeah, I think about that all the time. Like last night I had a funny circumstance happen in the middle of the night. It was 1am and I have a a ensuite to my bedroom. My husband and I don't sleep in the same bed and my um, ensuite light turned on. Uh, It's on a sensor, but it turned on and I woke up and I saw it on and I was like, why is the light on? What has, what has, what has turned the light on? And so I freaked out and I called my husband on the phone because I didn't want to walk to his room. And he came in at 1am and I said, the light is on and I'm really scared. And he checked it all out and was walking around and he's like, there's nothing here. You're completely safe and you're fine. And he went back to bed and I couldn't sleep all night. And he woke up this morning and he's like, thank you for calling me. That's my job to protect you. I am here to make you feel safe. And it was another one of those moments like you just gave us an example of like, I can't believe this is my life. I can't believe that I'm in the middle of the night safe and that someone will wake up and hug me and love me and check my surroundings and honor me in a way. Like I I have constant moments of that, whether it is sitting with you right now, interviewing me about this extraordinary experience from suicidal thoughts to where I am now to Mm. looking at my healthy kids, healthy kids like that, that one statement Mm. is all consuming or inspiring. The fact that they even exist when I was told I could never have children. I think that I am constantly 
astounded by these moments every day in my life. And also just finding like, I love the term miracle in the mundane, you know, that I get to turn the tap on Mm. fresh water. Like I get to open the fridge, an abundance of food. Like that's stuff to me is mind blowing all the time. It's constant Mm. moments of like deep gratitude. And I think that that's what, um, maybe attracts like upon like, right? Like I'm so deeply grateful for the things that I have. It somehow energetically matches what I feel. So these amazing opportunities keep finding me, which I'm like, what? My manager said yesterday, I think there's an opportunity coming that you'll be on play school. Now play school for me is the epitome what I fucking want, which is so wild. It makes no sense to anyone. But for my kids to be able to see me on like Bluey or play school, holy shit. Mm. And so I have these moments that are like totally like, what the fuck? That's not actually happening. I probably can't even Mm. say that. We'll bleep that out. I think for someone like yourself as well, a lot of people would look at you and your life and, and think, oh, well, it's probably, she's so used to the success now. She's so used to having it all that like, I don't know, a lot of people forget to kind of center back down to actually where's the gratitude in this. And one thing I want to touch on is the post that you put up in May. And I think this is a really great context for what we're going to speak about today. You said, despite everything, you know, as we've discussed all that gratitude and the beautiful life that you've created for yourself, you said, I'm going to go offline for a few days and I'm going to figure out where I'm needed and what I need to do. Mm -hmm. I'm going to rest and be mothered. I'm going to love myself. See you soon. Mm -hmm. Talk to us about that post and what was happening in your life. Oh, that could almost make me cry. That line of I'm going to go off and be mothered Mm -hmm. is just, that just Mm -hmm. hits me even now just so deeply because Mm -hmm. that point I was having a real existential crisis and that sounds like super dramatic. Um, But that means that, and that was told to me by my psychologist But that, in essence, is finding yourself with a lack of purpose, with not feeling anything in your day-to-day to to be meaningful, Um, the, the disconnect from your life and your identity. Like, I just felt like I was drowning in this life I had created. I was overworked. I was obsessed with doing and ticking things off my to-do list. Uh, I was obsessed with success and more and that insatiable need to do and to get and to be. I wasn't feeling anything. I wasn't feeling sadness, but I wasn't feeling joy. I was feeling completely numb. Um, and I didn't know if I could continue to do this for the rest of my life. I was feeling like, is this it? We get up, we get our kids ready, we give them cuddles, we eat, we work, we shit, we sleep, we get up, we do the same thing every day, like Groundhog Day, this monotony. Mm -hmm. And I thought, is this it for me? Because if this is it, I don't even know if I want to do it. Like I've created this incredible life this incredible 
incredible family and I'm still feeling, is that it? And that scared me to my core because I knew that something wasn't being acknowledged, something was being, it was missing. And so I spoke to Benji about this. I was really scared because I didn't know how he would interpret it. And I asked him if he felt the same. And he said, no, I am living my dream. I am so satisfied. I feel so deeply full of purpose. I am so richly happy with my life. And I felt the opposite. And I said, I'm really scared that this isn't enough, but it is everything. So if this isn't enough, then maybe it'll never be enough. And I went away. He actually sent me away to a health or wellness space in the Queensland bush with my best friend. And I was so disgruntled and angry and begrudged when I got there. And I didn't like my room and it was yuck. And I wanted to go home. Like everything was a problem. Mm. And I had this session with a woman. It was about bringing back my nervous system into rebalance. And it was a little bit woo-woo and she had me on this table and she was like, wow, what happened to you? What happened to you around the right breast? And I can hear your mum and I can hear grandma and they're very, they feel really sorry, but something happened around this right breast and I just burst into tears and I was sobbing and I was like, holy shit, the lumps in my breast, which we weren't able to biopsy, and which I spiraled so deeply at the time of meeting my oncologist, my breast and cancer specialist, took me to the place where I saw my mum being given her diagnosis and what she would have felt having to come home knowing she had this battle on her hands it was like reliving grief through her, but also not knowing if that was going to be my story. I had to park that for six months because they couldn't biopsy it. Now, when you need to park something like a cancer diagnosis, I didn't know how to do that. So I buried it. Then the flood happened, which was a great destruction. Then we had our 10-year wedding renewal, which was another distraction. So by the time I got around to feeling it, apart from the initial spiral, I just went into the doing and the work. I worked so hard. I got so overwhelmed. I was just a hamster on a wheel doing the things, getting them done to not feel the feelings of this limbo health crisis that I ended up at the health retreat six months later going, holy shit, I never felt the truth of how incredibly fearful I was, how incredibly confronted I was with this being my reality. And so I think what happened through that session, the acknowledgement of what I was holding and that distraction, which was 
a coping mechanism but turned out to be very detrimental was the leading point of me changing my life. You know, my my friend got really practical and said, what is serving you? What is not serving you mm. at work? What do we need to take away? What is like killing your soul? And we made lists and we restructured my calendar and I came home and I had really hard conversations with my management and my internal team. I actually re- You know, I I turned my podcast team inside out. I let go of a lot of people. I rehired. Like, it was a full-on soul-defining time in my life, which then was actually very uncomfortable. When you go into the undoing, which kept you safe, in inverted commas, and you don't have those things to make you feel safe anymore, you then need to implement other tools like journaling, breath work, um, meditation, physical activity, therapy to rebalance that. So you're not going, you're not doing the destructive drinking wine every night and busying yourself. You're actually doing different methods. So it's fucking uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. But where I am now is like, full circle and what I have understood is with the truth that I shared online was this influx mainly of women some men saying this is me I'm having an identity crisis who am I after birthing my children I'm now in limbo my child's back to school and I don't know what to do I have no self-esteem how do I get back into the workplace my relationship we haven't fucked for five years what you're saying Mm -hmm. I'm seeing this as a huge issue within our society that it isn't structured in a way to empower parents women in particular So what I'm doing now is doing it myself. I've created my first ever deeper event. I'm not sure when this is going live, but we have our first deeper event in two weeks that I can share this and then what helped heal me and give them a specific tool to practice every day. We can be accountability partners and meet again and go, did this change your life? Because I know that sounds really dramatic. It changed my life. But when you're feeling like you have no purpose, you're feeling disconnected from the world, shifting something slightly to change your life into deep connection again, into feeling purposeful and feeling gratitude is like, whoa. So uh, not only did it change my life, but it's kind of like created this new, a new element in my work, which I'm more excited to do than anything I've ever done. Long story short. Mm, yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Firstly, is the health okay? Like, is that okay? Did you? Yeah, so you- I I went back for my checkup. I actually don't think I've ever shared this. Mm. I went back for my checkup. Mm. The growth actually shrunk. So they're happy. They don't believe it's a cancer. There's two, there's two growths. They don't believe it's a cancer, mm-hmm. but we will be watching it every six months anyway. The placement of it is so hard to biopsy. It would be quite dangerous. So it's just one of those tricky things. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. I said to the, the specialist, if, uh, if it was your breasts, would you take the biopsy and the risk or would you just, and she was like, I would leave it. Like, I really feel like you're okay, but we're going to keep an eye on it. Mm, I'm glad to hear. 
Do you feel as though that was the first trigger for you to start going, hold on, we've got to reevaluate this? Was that the final clincher for you? I think the health scare was the domino effect to the Mm -hmm. identity or existential crisis. That was the turning Mm -hmm. point for me that I am not willing to miss out on my life for work or busyness or success, whatever that means to whoever it means, I will, Mm. I am going to revel and be delighted by my children, my family, the slowness, the presence over the busyness. I'm not going to be a slave to the construct of society that they've said that we have to do. I'm just not going to do it. I'm not partaking. Mm. So that was the shift for me. And my life is fucking Mm. amazing. Like, I mean, it was before, Mm. but putting in some boundaries for myself, but others as well Mm. has shifted. I had to have a really serious conversation with my husband when I got home that was on the days that you can, can you get the kids up and feed them? So I can journal and move my body before I turn up in the world. Can I do that? Mm -hmm. And he was very supportive of that. He was like, I don't want you to spiral again. If you need that, I will do that. And I think we don't even honor ourselves as humans. Can I give myself, Mm -hmm. can I ask for space? Can I ask for them to do a load of laundry? Can I ask them to clean the kitchen once a week? Can I, it's just this, it's so amazing. People have been sending me this um, sex in the city clip of Charlotte having a breakdown. I think it's the last episode at the moment of her saying, you do all of these things, but it's the bare minimum. You think that it yes, is extraordinary yep. and it's the mm. bare minimum. My husband mm. is incredible. He mm. picks the kids up from school. He cooks for all of us. He does the dishes. He bathes them. He dresses them. And then we all sit on the couch watching Bluey and my daughter has a bottle. I put her to bed. He puts mm. Fox to bed. Mm. That isn't, that isn't, uh, exceptional. That is equal parenting. Mm. We had a mm. very clear conversation when I was going to get pregnant or try to get pregnant of who we were going to be in partnership to this child. Mm. There is nothing extraordinary about him equal parenting with me. No matter what our incomes mm. are, no matter what the difference is, a woman, a parent, a stay at home mother, we know the fucking hard work. I, I I work as an excuse to not have to do those things, really, like in a lot of truth. I do right. it because it's of, I, yeah. my work is of service. It also is an mm. income, but it's also an excuse. Mm. Yeah, Men get to have yeah. that excuse. I've got to go. I've got to this. There's this meeting. There's this deadline. I've got to take this call. Yeah, I'm going to use the excuse too. Mm. Until we get, get mm. to a place where women are honoured, no, no, no. I've mothered all day. I'm going to pop out for two hours. You can do five to seven. I've done seven till five. It's, we need to change the conversation. You know, yeah. it's no Look, longer good a, a enough. Th- yeah. And I think also, um, to be fair on the partners, 
we need to know what we want and ask for it, right? Mm -hmm. Often we're not asking, we're sort of assuming perhaps that something can be done, but, uh, you know, and then it's not done. So you just do it anyway, because it's just easier if I just get it done. I I find it interesting because it's so complex, particularly for birth mums, right? So you've got the, the, um, responsibilities at home. If you're myself, and I see a lot of myself in you, Zoe, where I'm a very ambitious, driven, action-taking human being, right? And I think it's probably bred from my upbringing. So my dad's Nigerian. He came from a village in Africa He where they barely, you know, they had rice once a week and they were known as like the more affluent hut. Mm. Um, he went to a boarding school. He, thankfully, uh, he wrote an entrance exam to get in. Um, and then he was, that was his ticket out of the country to build a life for himself outside of that village that he came from. He, my mum came from Greece, you know, a working class family. And so the two of them, when they met, um, you know, the, the class of the cultures, but certainly so much anxiety and hard work when they came to this country um, to build something. And for me, I grew up knowing, having so much awareness of our financial state mm-hmm. and the stress and the pressure that they put on themselves to give us the life that we have today. And I'm so grateful for that. But it's like it's in my blood that I run at a thousand miles an hour and it's like a fox is trying to chase me and Mm. I'm constantly doing and if I stop doing then I feel guilty for stopping to do Mm -hmm. and then I'm chasing success and I'm chasing all the things and so Mm -hmm. um and that's why I had sick when my kid was six weeks old I'm like all right I'm feeling like crap okay I'll just do more I'll just start a podcast Mm -hmm. I'll just you know and yes that was a way of healing myself but I guess from your journey what I get a bit worried about for myself is you know let's say I get all the things and, and for me some of my goals are what you have achieved right I'd love to be more prominent in media. I'd love to, you know, have, you know, an award-winning podcast, for example. Um, And I also am a property developer, I should mention that. So this is sort of my second job outside of property development. So I've got a million things going on. How do, and I know a lot of people listening similarly would probably be like, well, that's our lives. We've got to put food on the table. We've got a hundred things to do, you know, kids, this, that, and the other. How do we know when we're starting to go too far over the cliff and it's Mm -hmm starting to become problematic. What were the signs you saw? I think the first thing we need to acknowledge is how much is enough, right? Everyone will have a different gauge on that. Mine is an insatiable number, right? So you might say, how much money, Zoe, will make you feel safe? There's no number. There's no number. It's not... $50,000 a year. It's not a million dollars a year. It's not 10 million. There's just no number. Then you go under that and you go, okay, so what will, what will make you feel safe? Right. Because I think the piece here for everyone is survival and safety. If I know my basic needs are being met, if I know that I am in a home where I'm not going to be harmed, if I know my children, we can pay the school fees, we can do things for them that are attainable. Could you take something off that chaotic cycle and they'll have no impact to those kinds of, say, those necessities, right? And I would say immediately yes for both of us. Mm -hmm. There's Mm -hmm. one to three things that we could remove, right? 
that when you look at them, you're like, okay, I'm giving it X amount, but I'm not actually receiving in return the thing that I think is valuable, right? So kind of doing an audit on your outgoings of energy because if you're super busy, if you're chasing your tail, you have no space for rest because rest for us is redundant. What the fuck are you going to rest for? The rest is for lazy. Mm. Rest is key for creativity, is key for healing, is key for the self to inform us of what we need next, right? If you're not going on a mindless walk where you literally aren't looking at your phone and doing things, if you're just not observing nature, observing your breath, observing yourself, how are you going to intuitively know what is next for you? You're getting in the way of yourself. So whether you're woo-woo or not, I believe that we have agendas, that we have our goals, right? And we're pushing and striving and doing all the things. But if you don't give a little bit of leeway or grace, you don't allow space for opportunities to find you. That's one of my favorite mantras in the whole world. Opportunities find me. So the opportunity is finding you, but it doesn't have a place to land because you're in the way. So I think we start by like auditing our lives Understanding why you're so busy sounds like it's from a generational piece of trauma around survival, which is no longer yours to carry, you know, doing some work on shifting what safety means to you. How can you feel safe? Like on that table at that retreat, I was crying also so heavily because I realized that my husband who sent me away on this retreat has me is holding me, is loving me, is supporting me. And I've never truly clocked into that acknowledgement of if I truly didn't want to work for whatever reason, we could shape shift things around for me to not work. He would figure that out for me, right? Mm. To be so honored and loved and supported and safe in that is heart crushingly incredible. It, it, It breaks your heart open into seeing what is right in front of you, I think our busyness distracts us from the truth. Some of those truths are painful and you need to face mm-hmm. them. And then some of those truths are, are easy. Like what? how much time are you scrolling? How long are you on TikTok, on mm-hmm. Facebook, on Instagram? Are you feeling like you're comparing yourself to other women's bodies or success or stop following them, unmute Anything that is not making you, like Marie Kondo would say, like sparking joy, fuck that Mm. shit off and start to have some real key practices in your life to keep you aligned. Like you're responsible. None of this Mm. is anyone else's fault. My deterioration of self is my fault. I was too scared to look at the things. So I think that... I had a real rock bottom and I don't think people need to have that to be able to shift the way they feel. If you're feeling meh about life, Mm. key point, like let's start to do something. Let's see the conversations we're having. Let's see the friendships that we're in. Let's see the, like the intimacy that I have with my partner, like small things around, like I was clocking today, Benji sick. And I was like, I want to get a new playlist. I want to, as soon as he's well, want to light some candles. I want to get away from the kid clutter shit in our life to an adult space and really like have some like 
intimacy. You know, we're so stuck in parenting and doing and logistics and did you take the garbage out? Oh my God, there's still, why did you leave the sponge in the fucking sink? All of that stuff (laughs) to Mm. actually connecting. Do you know how great we feel when we're seen sexually, when we're intimately bonded? You are like, oh, the sponge is in the sink. Who gives a shit? You know, like we're vibing on a whole nother page. And I think that those key Mm. parts of us, like how empowered and amazing do you feel after orgasm? Like that is the energy we want to be bringing into the day. I'm still a sexual Mm. being. I'm a creative, beautiful woman. Like we're not even feeling that as mothers. We're pulling on the fucking trackies. We're eating the scraps of the food of our kids. It's like we are getting the bottom of the barrel. You know, when was the last time that you lathered yourself in a beautiful body lotion and just like felt your body connected with your body, like such simple things, but we're like, no, 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 no. I got to do, I got to do. And then you found yourself scrolling for an hour and you're like, Mm. I think that is relaxing, but is it, am I really Mm. having downtime? Could I be actually writing on a post-it note, three things I want to do for myself this week instead of scrolling, Mm. instead of whatever, you know, I think it's taking responsibility Absolutely. What I'm hearing from you, it's being so deliberate about the time that we've got because we've all got the same amount of time in the day. So being deliberate about that and setting up structures, i.e., you know, informing your partner if you're, you know, fortunate enough to be in a partnership, et cetera, that, hey, this is the time that I would like to go to the gym, to go for that walk, to whatever, but communicating that and really putting mm-hmm. yourself first because you're right. For, for so many years of, since having kids, like you are, you know, it's so easy to be the bottom of the barrel. One thing that you said as well, I mean, I feel as though you've somewhat manifested this life, right? And I remember I went and saw Gabby Bernstein. I'm oh, yeah, sure I love if you're her. familiar with her yeah. work. Um, yeah. And one thing she said to me, and then I literally burst into tears during her, um, when she said this, she said, um, we want to make sure we're not strangling our dreams. And she goes, I want you to close your eyes and I want you to really take that in. And then I just started, tears just came down, streaming down my face because I'm like, I am. That's what I'm doing. Like I'm doing the to-do list. I'm doing the schedules. I've got the spreadsheets. I'm running back and forth. I haven't given myself a minute to, you know, relax. And then because, and I'm just chasing these numbers, these goals, these things, I'm strangling my dreams. And so I think what's really cool with what you were saying there as well is, relaxation, it's not lazy. It's actually an opportunity for you to firstly, as you said, let the universe do its work, but also for you to recalibrate and to get more creative. And Mm -hmm. when I hear that, it kind of gives me permission to allow myself to have those windows of time, you know? And I think it, it could be as deliberate as scheduling that in. You mm-hmm. might be so full on. You might be a single parent. I really want to acknowledge the single parents because my mom was one. I've got very close friends that are going through divorce. That two parts. If you're so flat chat from start to go, just go to bed an hour earlier. Put down the Netflix, put down the phone and have your rest, whether that's 10 minutes, 20 minutes. If you want to journal, if you want to have a meaningful conversation with a girlfriend, whatever that is, like get off the screens, get, they're not connecting us. Mm-hmm. And then the second part is, I think we need to start to take initiative to build community. And I really, 
want to say this for the single parents that don't have the funds to get a babysitter, to have time for themselves or a support group. We have to put ourselves out to support others so they support us. If you can find a group of four single parents or for a mum's group, for say you're not a single parent, but you're in a mum's group. I've got this incredible group of mums at the school and we are each other's lifelines. Can you pick up Fox today? I'll meet you at your place. Can you take him to school? Like, you know, you want to find a couple of people in your circle that you're like, hey, I'm batch cooking tonight. I'm going to make a bolognese for you and me next week when you're batching. Can you do one for me? Take a meal off. Why don't we start to create community and lead it with some simple ideas? I'm going to pick up your kids. We're going to do play date at my house for three hours. Go and get a massage. Go and go for a walk. Go and see a friend for a cup of coffee. Next week, would you be able to do that for me? Like, let's set up a little roster. Mm. Mind-blowingly, I know we don't even have the capacity to think of these things, but Mm. those little snippets of time before bed or whenever you carve it out in the middle of your day to just allow the creativity to flow is like, you know what, I'm going to set this up, this food train roster or this babysitting schedule. I'm going to just put myself out there. These are the things that empower you. When you get that three hours again to yourself, you might go on a date. You might think of starting a side hustle. You might do fucking nothing and start healing your depletion. They're the things that we can empower ourselves to do when we have a little space outside the busy. Like no one is glorifying busy. If you're, if someone's catching up with you and saying, how's your day? And you go, I'm so fucking busy. Boring. Like I'm bored. You're mm. not inspiring me. You're not moving me. Mm. I'm not taking anything from mm. your thinking. It's important to be busy. We're all fucking busy. Mm. What I want you to say is something informative is something, you know what? I'm actually, I listened to this podcast or I read this book or I saw this documentary and I'm loving this idea not busy. Mm. Don't bore me with your to-do lists and your logistics. We're all fucking busy. You know, it's not hard to be busy. So I think we need to stop glorifying that. Oh, absolutely. And then I think about a lot of the the stay-at-homes at mums at school and the language they'll use. I'll say, so, you know, what's been going on? What are you up to? Oh, you know, just at home with the kids, just, yeah, not that doing that much, just with the kids, you know, what it's like, activities yeah. and things like that. Not like you with your job. Like, you know, you can see yes. them. They're talking themselves down. I'm just a stay-at-home mum. I'm like, mate, own that. You know, that is yeah. the hardest job in the world. I have so much you respect know? for the stay-at-home mums, mm. for the nurses, mm. for, the, for the teachers, for the people that are – feeding our little beings to be the best versions of themselves. Mm. Like the stay at home, I, I see that too. You know, people are like, I don't know how you do it all and you're out here and you're doing this and I'm just at home all day. And I'm like, what, mm. raising your child to be beautiful and empathetic and understanding and generous and, and smart and yeah. like taking them to the park and having like conscious present time with them, like that is so incredibly vulnerable. We always think that the person next to us is more 
like what you are doing is enough. I think finding the value, I'm doing this incredible work at the moment, this mindset work and all around self-esteem. And I think I've got incredible self-esteem, but allowing those small things, like going back to the start of our conversation, finding the magic in the mundane, but within yourself, Mm. I fed my kids this morning. I give a shit. You know, I am a great Mm. mother. I am washing their clothes. I am keeping this house together. There is food in. They are honourable things to acknowledge. We poo-poo them. If that doesn't happen, who's doing them? Who's feeding the kids? Who's clothing the kids? Who's getting their homework done? Who's taking them to sports? Like, Honoring and valuing self has to be acknowledged. Mm. If you're diminishing that, you have nothing to even start with. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And also, you know, shout out to all the stay-at-home dads too, right? Mm. It's just like just in general, this the the caretaking responsibilities yeah. are just huge. And as you said, not acknowledged enough by society. And so it starts with us and 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 valuing ourselves and everything that we're doing. I absolutely love speaking to you, Zoe, and I'm mindful of your time. I'd love to ask you finally the one question I ask all of our guests: How has parenthood changed you? as a person? I didn't want to be a parent. I Mm. thought I could have a very fulfilled, amazing, incredible life without children. And that's probably still true. I think the thing that changed me was firstly, birthing. Birthing to me was such a profound experience to what the human body can endure what we can overcome, how we could get through something, you know, with ever, it was no drugs on all four, such a primal thing, was such a huge Mm. learning for me and what we can do as humans. And then I think how I, I thought I was quite a selfish person. I think it's astounded me how, maternal I am innately and how much I do and give out of myself, which I didn't think I would be able to do, like how deeply maternal those instincts are, Um, how you can love something so much. You can be so deeply obsessed and that has to be neurologically wired, right? Like to keep our children safe and alive. Um, but also what a learning it is to watch them and go, wow, how much stuff uh, do I, uh, am I being projected with? How much is my child mirroring parts of me, my fears, my, yeah, like uh, it's, it's the hugest growth tool watching yourself as a parent uh, through the eyes of your child. So, yeah, it's all been pretty profound. Yeah, absolutely agree. How can people find out more about you and your work? Okay. So personally, I'll put, we'll we'll send you all of this for your show notes, but my handles are at Zoe B. Marshall. The deep is at what's the deep. Um, you can find us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Acast Plus. We have an incredible subscription where we put our 
most premium content as well, the stuff that is too taboo for everyday listeners. Um, but yeah, I'm out there. I love to connect with you. If you see me in the wild, please say hello. I love meeting you in real life. And now new community will send you the link to that too. So if any of this resonated with you on how to move through the identity crisis to, I guess, living more in your truth, that's something that we're now working on, building a community, a community of us all to connect, to find your tribe. Mm, such powerful work absolutely love it thank you so much Zoe again for your time (laughs) thank you thanks for listening if you enjoyed this episode be sure to subscribe leave us a rating or review and share it with your friends want to contribute to the conversation hit us up on Instagram at parenthood pod and join our Facebook group until next time thanks for listening The Parenthood Podcast would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land we produce on, the land of the Wurundjeri people. We pay respect to their elders, past, present and emerging.